once again, and welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 48, Why Gun Control Won't Stop Gun Violence, part 5. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed, and we will conclude this discussion on why gun control won't stop gun violence next week. Uh, We'll be talking about that this week and next week, and then we're going to uh, do episodes 50, 51, and 52 about the history of Christmas, and we'll go all the way back past Boomer Days. We'll go back to the first Christmas and bring it forward to 2019 and about how that holiday has changed over the years and how it's celebrated in a lot of different places and what it looked like back in boomer days and what it looks like today. Then we'll wrap up 2019 with episode 53 and we'll kind of do a recap of the year and talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions and what we have to look forward to in 2020 as we wrap up season number one of Bee Boomer Unleashed. It's hard to believe we've been here for almost a year now, and we're wrapping up uh, this this year of 2019. Looking forward to being with you folks in 2020. Well, well of course, this episode uh, went online the Monday before Thanksgiving, and if you're listening to it now, We hope you're preparing to have a blessed Thanksgiving with friends and family. My son's coming in from northern Ohio with the three grandkids for Thanksgiving. He'll be in. And my daughter, who lives locally, she'll be here with her family. We'll also be celebrating with my mother and maybe my wife's aunt. So we're looking forward to a good time of fellowship and family there on Thanksgiving 2000. 19. We hope you had an opportunity to listen to last week's episode, an interview with Andrew Pollock, and uh, some of the things that he had to say. And of course, he's the author of the book, Why Meadow Died. Several of you have told me that you got a copy of that book, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying that as much as I did. And hopefully it's opened your eyes to the things that some people's eyes are still closed to. It seems like every time there's some of this gun violence in a school or in a mall or in a shopping center, we want to jump right on the gun and say that gun control is the way to go, but more gun control won't stop gun violence. And we've been talking about that for the past several episodes. Well, today we're going to talk about some common sense ways, today and next week, some common sense ways of keeping our school safe. Now, on uh, Andrew Pollock's website, americansforclass.org, he puts forth an eight-point plan to help keep our children safe in school. And we're going to Uh, use that eight-point plan today, and then next week we'll bring in some other information as we wrap up this uh, study on why gun control won't stop gun violence. We're going to take some of this information today from Andrew Pollock's website, americansforclass.org, and we're going to expand on that a bit and uh, bring in some information that I gleaned over the 25 years plus that I had as a school administrator. But before we get into this discussion today. As always, let me remind you where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com, on iTunes and Google Play at bboomerunleashed. You can also find us on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. 
You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Tumblr, and Instagram at BeBoomerUnleashed and on Twitter at BeBoomerUnleash1. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com. Well, as we get into our discussion today in uh, Mr. Pollock's eight-point plan that he has published there on his website, the first one is Secure the Perimeter. Secure the Perimeter. He talks about constructing a fully secure and monitored perimeter around every school. And with that include the installation of strategically placed cameras to provide both a deterrent and effective monitoring of the school. Now, that sounds like an easy task, but it's not really that easy to do what we've uh, just recommended here, what Mr. Pollock has recommended. It costs a lot of money. It's expensive. And unfortunately, today, it seems that many school systems would rather spend their money on non-essential stuff, shiny things, I like to call it, instead of putting money out to really protect our kids. You know, schools are very vulnerable. And when we talk about uh, securing the perimeter, that means that we need to have people in place, you know, guard shacks, if you will, as people come on and off our campus because, you know, you drive a a big SUV or something through the driveway of a school and right up on the sidewalk and right through the front door, and you can create a lot of havoc and a lot of damage if you're not slowed down or stopped and at least checked out before you come on the school property. Now, in Cabell County here, our two high schools have a guard shack. They have someone hired to check you in and check you out at the guard shack and look at you. But I'll be quite honest with you, they're just really not doing the job. Uh, They'll either stand there and watch you drive by, or you can pull up to the guard shack and stop and wait for somebody to maybe come out and look at you. So I really don't know why we're paying the money out for that. In Cabell County, I brought that to the attention of, of board members on several occasions, but it continues to be the same sad story on both of these high schools, but there needs to be someone, there needs to be one way on that campus and one way off, and that needs to be monitored securely by armed personnel. Now, some minimum wage security guard, and nothing, I'm not poking disparaging remarks at a minimum wage security guard, but they don't have any armament on them. They're not armed. They don't have a gun. So if you're uh, a security guard out there at a guard shack and somebody comes through and you're not armed and able to protect yourself, well, you're no more than a speed bump. So if we really want to get serious about protecting our children from outside intruders, then we need to secure that perimeter. It's got to be secure. It's got to be monitored. We've got to have cameras all over the place, you know. The last uh, middle school where I was principal uh, at Barbersville Middle School, we probably had, I don't know, 40-some security cameras, and we probably needed 140 more. It seems like something always happens where there's not a camera. And to get actual coverage for all of these spots, you have to. it takes a lot of cameras. It takes a whole bunch of cameras to really keep this perimeter uh, under surveillance. And you have to have somebody to monitor it. 
you know, you know, you can put up all the cameras you want to, but if you don't have somebody monitoring that, it's a problem. Now that's costly. It costs money. So, you know, we need to give up some of the money that we're spending on stuff and put it into the safety of our children. And uh, these cameras provide a deterrent for crime. It's also an effective way to, to monitor your school. And again, a camera can't pick up every single movement everywhere. You just can't put enough cameras in to do that. But it's certainly a deterrent. If you have cameras up, it's a way to get information if somebody comes on the school property to commit a crime. And uh, it's it's a way to make our children more safe than they are now. Now, the second item really goes along with that. And, I, you know, Mr. Pollock and I certainly see eye to eye on this, and I've been promoting this for years, and that's to control the flow in and out of the school. Now, in Cabell County and in a lot of counties around the country, you have quote-unquote single access. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. Once school gets started, most of the doors are locked, and you have one door that you buzz in through, um, you ring a doorbell, and they can talk to you in the office there and see your face on a camera. Now, let's back up a couple of hours or an hour and a half before school starts. Most schools in most counties the doors are wide open for the children to come to school. When they're coming to school, whether the parents are dropping them off or whether they're getting off the school bus, the door is wide open and the students come in there. They don't go through any metal detector. They don't go through any type of search. They don't go through anything like that. And why, why is it we say that we do that? Well, it just takes too much time. It just takes too much time to do that. And it does take a lot of time to do that. But if they can run you through a metal detector at a major league baseball game, or if they can run a wand over you at one of these professional sports venues where they have 40, 50, 60,000 people coming to those, and they can get people through there like that, it would seem to me that you could do a similar thing with these schools without stopping or slowing down the flow of traffic that much. And you've got to understand that these security checks, as you come in in the morning, you don't, you're not just always looking to find something on someone, but knowing that you have to go through that security check deters an evil person from trying to come through that security check with a concealed weapon of any kind. Concealed weapon other contraband, drugs, uh, drug paraphernalia, all this kind of stuff, if they know that they're going through a metal detector or some kind of screening system, they're less apt to try to come through that with that cargo or that baggage that they're wanting to bring through the gate. So, you know, the, the problem is with this controlled flow is it's only controlled after all the kids get in the building. So if I'm a bad guy, if I'm an evil guy, I'm going to bring whatever I want to bring in in my backpack or my pocket or whatever else before school starts. I'm not going to come through that controlled entryway. I'm not going to ring the doorbell to come in. So that happens all over the country. It's not just in Cabell County, but for most schools in Cabell County, that's the way it happens. The doors are wide open as the kids are coming to school, and they don't lock those doors down until all the kids are in, and then they have to come around to the uh, uh, single access door. Another thing that's really troublesome to me 
and has been for many years, you know, we have outside vendors who have access cards to get in our school on times other than school hours. For example, the milkman, the bread man, they come in and access in the morning and nobody's there, but they have a card where they can get in to bring in the milk or the bread or the food, whatever it is they're bringing in, before the cooks actually get to work. So you've got access to people that we really don't 100% know whether they're honorable people coming in that school in the morning. So if I'm a bad guy, if I, you know, I might get me a job as a bread man or a milkman or something if I want to plan this thing out and then come into the school like that. So that's a problem. The easy access before gets school gets started is a problem. Now, there's problem number two. Even when those doors are locked down and you have to come to a doorbell and ring the bell and they look at your face, all they're looking at is your face. They're not looking at your entire body. They don't know whether you're carrying in, you know, a gun or explosives or whatever. And uh, so most of the time you go to a school and you ring the doorbell and they say, come on in, and they click the button and, and in you come. Now, that's the first part of that problem. The second part of that problem is not all schools are designed with what they call a man trap. Now, what's a man trap? Well, that would be a woman trap, too. I don't want to be a sexist about it, but that's the literal name for the thing. It's called a man trap. Basically, what you do in a man trap situation, they let you buzz you in a door, with an electronic lock on it, and you're in this small holding area, and you don't have access to the school or the office without being buzzed through one of those doors. Okay? Which makes sense. So somebody gets in... They see that they can't go any further. They can get out the same door they came in, and they might do that when they find out that they don't have access to the school once they come in with that to that door. And if it's a student, he or she knows. They know the system. They know how the school works. They know they're not going to be able to just come in and gain instant access to the school. Well, not all schools have that man trap, so they let you in, and once you're in the building, you're just on the honor system to go to the office and sign in. You can go to the office and sign in if you want to. You're supposed to, but uh, if you want to, you can go in and sign in the office. If you're a bad guy, if you're an evil guy, you're not going to go in and sign in at the office and say, hey, I'm going to kill a few people in here today, so I want to sign in at the office before I do that. No, they don't do that. So it's important if you're going to have that limited access to have that limited access leading to a man trap so that the only place that they can go once they get in there, unless you allow them access to another part of the building, is to go back out the same door that they came in. And that's the way you truly control the flow. But as far as controlling the flow in the morning, there has to be something to deter kids or visitors from carrying weapons or other contraband through that front door. And the only way to do that is have them go through metal detectors or be wanded or have people there to checking backpacks, looking in them physically. You say, well, that takes a lot of time. Yeah, it takes some time, and it takes some money. And we're not willing, it doesn't appear, doesn't appear that we're willing to take the time and spend the money that it takes to keep our kids safe. We're too busy buying shiny things. 
Now, at our local high school, I just uh, saw a report that they arrested some kid who had a hit list, uh, some kids that he was going to do away with at one of the local high schools. That kind of thing happens all the time, and, you know, it usually goes out on social media or some other kid rats them out. But what if that kid had kept his mouth shut and hadn't said anything to anybody about it? Well, then the next time he comes to school, he might march right in the front door with a backpack with some guns in it and or knives or hatchets or hammers or whatever he wants to create havoc with, and he brings it right in knowing that he's not going to go through any secure area coming in in the morning. Now, folks, I don't know if that's acceptable with you or not. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's okay with you. But it's not okay with me. I, I think it's I think it's terrible. Is it inconvenient to check all those kids every day when they come through there? Yes, it is very inconvenient. But it's doable. And I don't know about you, but if I'm the parent or the grandparent of the child going into that school, I would rather have them take it a little longer getting in the building to make sure. Nobody that comes through that door is carrying some weapon or some contraband. So what's it going to be? Is it going to be a matter of convenience or is it going to be let's keep our kids safe? Remember, it takes a little effort. It takes a little time, but it and it also takes a little money to do that. So as parents, I think you have every right to go to your Board of Education meetings Anybody can go. They're a public meeting. They have to be a public meeting. Anybody can go and sign up and talk. Now, they might just give you three minutes to talk, but if you've got 10 of your friends going with you and they don't want to talk for three minutes, but they can yield their time to you, and so if you get 10 of them to go in there and sign up, hey, guess what? You've got 30 minutes to talk, and you can present your case to the Board of Education as to why you feel it's important to beef up this security on the perimeter and to control the flow not only during the day, but to control the flow of that traffic uh, before school starts. It's very important. Now, the third thing on the list, first one, secure the perimeter. Number two, control the flow. And number three, protect the interior. Interior. Place armed guards within every school through the use of school resource officers. Now, we have some school resource officers in Cabell County. Yeah, we've got a few of those. A guardian program which empowers schools to arm highly trained staff or school safety specialists that gives priority hiring to retired veterans and law enforcement officers. So you have a program which empowers schools to arm highly trained staff for school spaces as safety specialists. Again, takes a little money to do that. And up to this point, it appears that in my home county, Cabell County in West Virginia, the superintendent and the board have been unwilling to go any further than a school resource officer. You know, one school resource officer in a school of seven, 800 a 1, 1,500, 1,900 kids, one school resource officer is not enough. <laughs> you know, they say, well, we just don't have the money for that. Well, you've got money for everything else. you got money to buy uh, board vehicles for the superintendent and the assistant superintendents to drive around in. Uh, 
You've got money to buy all kinds of little shiny computers that sit around, and a lot of times nobody ever uses them. You've got money to fund all of these other things. What about the safety of our kids? Are our children not the most important thing, the most important item? I shouldn't have called them things. Aren't they the most important commodity that we have in that school? Aren't we supposed to protect them? So one school resource resource officer in a school is not enough. Now, number four goes kind of along with number three, develop the school safety volunteer network. Now, what is he, what is that? He says, you enact a volunteer program similar to volunteer crossing guards in which parents are mobilized and tasked by the school to provide school safety assistance. Parents will be given identifying materials such as a vest and empowered to monitor the perimeter or hallways during class time. Now, once you take out the school resource officer and you don't have volunteers or you don't have other safety specialists in school that can take out these armed threats, then the one school resource officer, once you put a bullet in him or her, then, you know, you can run willy-nilly to any classroom you want, and you can shoot all the people you want, and you're not going to meet any armed resistance. See, that's the problem with these school murderers. Most of them know that they're not going to receive any armed resistance. You know, and, and people have a tendency, whether it's in Walmart or whether it's at school or whether it's at a shopping center, you hear shots fired, you freeze, you stand still. Well, you know, it's pretty easy to hit a still target. It's a little bit more difficult to hit a moving target. And, you know, the days of, of just having kids hunker down in classroom behind a desk or something are over. And I will, I will applaud Cabell County Schools. They have uh, changed that a bit. They have, a, And I'm not going to get into Cabell County's uh, school safety program. I'm not going to do that because there might be a bad guy listening out there. I'm not going to do that. But I'm saying that you can't just hunker down and hide and hope the bad guy goes away because if the bad guy doesn't meet with any armed resistance or anybody that's uh, going to tackle him or her and take them out, then they can just run willy-nilly in the school and do whatever they want to do, and you're not going to do anything to stop them until the police get there. And even on a good day, you're probably ten, five to ten minute response time for any armed reinforcement to show up at a school shooting or a shopping center uh, incident. Well, you know, there's that's four things, four things of the eight-point plan. Secure the perimeter, control the flow, protect the interior, and develop the school safety volunteer network. And, uh, and included in that school safety, protecting the interior, and the volunteer program, we need, I think, to have some teachers who will voluntarily receive training and in, uh, in, in thwarting a school attack and who are willing to carry a gun and who are willing to meet the bad guy, the evil guy, with resistance. Now, not all teachers are equipped to do that. Some of them shouldn't have a gun. 
But those who go through proper training and who want to do that should be allowed to do that to protect your children and your grandchildren. I don't know about you, but I don't want my kids or grandkids murdered in school. I know you don't either. Mr. Pollock, the last thing he thought was going to happen that day was for his beloved daughter Meadow to be murdered there at Parkland, Florida. But that's what happened. And we say, oh, it can't happen here. It can't happen at home. Well, most people think it's not going to happen here. So we got to use some common sense and we got to spend some money and we got to take the equipment that we have now and use it more efficiently. And we've got to have more personnel to keep our kids safe if we're really serious about keeping them safe. If it's just a lip service and a photo op, then what we've got now is just fine. But I don't know about you. I always said when I was a school principal that if I was there when the shooter came in, he might kill me, but I would certainly go at him with everything that I had. And, of course, we weren't allowed to carry a weapon in school. But I don't want to be the principal standing on the 11 o'clock news that says, well, you know, uh, we couldn't get to them. We were hunkered down here in the, in the office trying to stay away from the bad guy. No, I don't want to be that guy on the 11 o'clock news. I would want to be that guy who went after the shooter and did everything I could to protect my kids, my students. They're our, they're our most precious commodity in these schools, and we need to do everything we can to keep them safe. Well, that's about all we've got time for today. Uh, We'll finish this discussion up next week, and then we'll move on to the history of Christmas, and then we'll wrap the year up maybe with some New Year's resolutions. Who knows? But uh, just some food for thought, folks. Just some food for thought. We need to make the safety of our kids the primary uh, duty of everyone that's involved, from the parents to the schools to the school administration, it's not the gun's fault. Understand, it's not the guns. It's, as we've talked about, the lax discipline, the lax police presence, uh, too few people in the schools armed to meet uh, these guys, these bad guys, these evil people with armed resistance. If we really want to keep our kids safe, we'll do what's necessary to do that. Well, it's been great being with you this week. Hope that you'll tune in uh, next week for the uh, episode 49 as we conclude this discussion. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this after Thanksgiving, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. So uh, we'll look forward to being with you again next week. Hey, have a great week. And may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.